Yeah, people are saying this is part two, but it's really just 1A. Um, we've got a lot to go through, but I'm not going to go through it all today. Um, yeah, last week I got up and thought it was going to be one, one sermon, uh, and I'd get it all done, and, and I got halfway through and looked at the time and thought, I'm not even going to get half of it done. So I'm back today. You've got me two weeks in a row. That's very unusual. Um, but uh, I guess we'll see if that's good for you. Um, let me just recap a little bit what I said uh, last week. And uh, we're talking about discipleship. And the Greek word, word for uh, disciple is mathetus. Uh, and it had the, the emphasis being a devotee learner. Um, and we would probably... We would probably, the best analogy we would probably have at this day and age, or the best example, would be an apprentice. So someone who has, comes under a master builder or someone who's much more learned as an apprentice to learn the trade, to take it on, and to, to do it as uh, they're being taught, and then to carry that on and then go on and themselves um, be able to do the exact same thing. But we also saw that although this was a very Greek way of of looking at it, um, Jesus did it a bit differently, and whereas disciples or um, Mathetes, they would choose to go to a particular teacher, Jesus did it differently as in that he sought out his disciples. Um, he, the other thing is, is that often they would pay to be, get this teaching, and Jesus did it for free. Often they would have to try and they would also have to provide food for themselves and put food into to help provide for the teachers and for the other people involved. Jesus would even feed them. So there's a very difference. Although there's a there's a, a something of the ancient world that Jesus had seen and is good and is showing us that this is a, a way forward. He doesn't do it as the world does it. He does it very differently. So we looked a bit about that and we, we looked into what that would mean. And then we started off saying, uh, looking at Matthew 4.21, and we said that the start matters. Where you start from matters in discipleship. And the, the good thing about where you start from is we all start from the same place. Okay? We, we, there's no, no such thing as a super... Christian or a super discipler who just comes from nothing and has already got it all sorted, we all start from the same place, which is outside of the kingdom of God. That's a place we start in, and then we step into the things of God as he calls us, and then we go forward. And it's really important that that captures us. And in discipleship, it's one of the main things we need to keep in our mind every single time is the start matters who called me? Who do I belong to? Who has justified? Who makes me righteous? If we do not start in that place, everything else just falls apart. The start matters. And we went on, and we looked at Matthew 8, 18. And it says, and, and the point here was, we are followers. When Jesus calls, we follow. What he says for us to do, we follow. 
And we looked at a little bit about that, saying that to be a follower is, is costly. It costs you something to be a follower. But we also saw that it, it costs much more not to be a follower of Jesus. So today, we're going to look at two more points, and we'll, we'll get through them today. Um, and then I'm just going to try and give a little bit of a shape of what this looks like in the life of a disciple and what we would be looking for in ourselves as we go forward day to day. So we're going to look at Matthew 13, verse 1 to 9. And this point is, we are not beach dwellers. We are not beach dwellers. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. The great, uh, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprung up, since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We are not beach dwellers. We've been looking at what it is, and, and to help us along this, we've been looking at different stories about Jesus being in or out of a boat. And here we have a story of a crowd, a great crowd comes and follows Jesus. So much so that there's, there's not really much room for Jesus, so he got out off the beach and he gets into the boat. And there he is in the boat, teaching them in parables, in ways that they cannot understand. And the only people, as the story goes on, you see that the, the disciples ask Jesus afterwards, what's the purpose of the parables? But you see, the disciples are no longer on the beach at this stage. They're in the boat with Jesus. And sometimes the difference is this, is sometimes we can just be people who like to be on a sunny beach listening to a good story or a good sermon or a good talk, but we're not actually in the boat with Jesus. And you see, beaches are nice to visit for some people. I'm not really that keen on them myself, but for some people, beaches are really nice to visit. But you wouldn't build your house on a nice, sandy beach. I don't know if you saw some of those pictures down in Gurnard when that storm broke in. And the, and the waves were crashing against the front of Gurnard, and those, all those little beach huts were being covered as the spray went right over the top and were hitting the houses up the hill that, the, that they were completely almost um, unable to see those beach huts from the spray of, the, of the, the storm coming in. That was not a good day to be on a beach. Beaches are not places you go when it's rough and when it's hard. They're a nice place to go when it's easy, when it's pleasant. Beaches are fun to visit, but they'd be a dangerous place to live. And the question this brings is, are we on the beach or are we in the boat? 
There was a story that came out of the, the war um, in Ukraine, and the story goes that this Russian warship was coming along the coast to this island. And you've probably heard this story. And as it came along, the Russian, co- the Russian warship, it said this, it put out a message to the border guard, the Ukrainian border guard that was on the island, and they said this, this is a Russian warship. I propose you lay down your weapons and surrender to avoid bloodshed and unnecessary victims. Otherwise, you will be bombed. There's a recording of this you can listen to. And there's two Ukrainians talking to one another. They say, should we just tell them to go away? And they go, yeah, yeah, let's be clear. One of, them, one of the Ukrainian border guards speaks back to the Russian warship and says this, Russian warship, go to hell. And then all communication was lost as the bombardment of that island and the Russians attacked and took out all their communication. For, for many days, they thought that everyone on that island had been killed and wiped out. And they were even saying that they were going to give them medals, uh, heroes of Ukraine. Uh, it turns out that they didn't all die that they actually survived, but they actually had to surrender because they ran out of bullets. They didn't have enough to continue fighting. Twice they repelled the attacks of the Russians. Which boat you in matters. Where you are matters. You can be in the wrong boat, being aggressive to the wrong people. Or you can be in the boat with Jesus, doing what he calls you to do. Or you can be on the beach, just looking for a sunny, pleasant day. Where you are matters. What boat you're in matters. We are not beach dwellers. I'm going to tell you two stories. Um, and this is, this is going to involve adventures of Rick and, and, and some I've been on with him. And I hope it's going to highlight some truths here. There was a a boat that Rick used to run called Celtic Mist. And they used to travel once a year over to Ireland. Um, and on, on a particular trip, they went there. Um, I'm not sure when it was, but they went there. Uh, and I'm not quite sure whereabouts in Ireland they did it. But they were traveling along, and I think there was a cable car that was going across, and they were thinking, can we go under it? I'm not sure how high it was. But they... they I think they kind of were thinking it might be a bit closer than it was, and they, they went under it and they survived, and it was all okay, I think. And it was, it was at the time, it, it sounded like it might have been a little bit scary. I wasn't on the boat, so I'm not quite sure about it. There is another story, though. When we were sailing down to uh, the Canary Islands, and there had been a, a, a storm had gone through, and there was quite some big waves, and we were traveling down the coast of um, Portugal. And the waves were such that they would pick the back of the boat up, and you would just surf down that wave. And it'd get to the point where you'd be going so fast that the actual hull of the boat would start to hum as you're going down these waves. That was fun. And then Rick was coming down. Rick's decided, Joe, I've not been into Porto. Shall we... Shall we just try and get in there? Let's, let's sail into Porto. And of course, Rick has all the experience, and I'm just thinking, this would be fine. Rick's saying, let's do it. And then something starts to change a bit, because Rick goes, okay, camera's away. 
put the waterboards in, the washboards in, so that no water can get into the, into the cabins. Uh, everyone, life vests on, strap on, clip on everyone. And here's these big rollers coming in, and we're coming down to the, to the entrance into Porto. And as we're coming down, the entrance is a lot more narrow than I thought it would be. And between the, the, on either side of this entrance, there's a, a, a breaker of rocks and concrete one side, and another breaker of rocks and concrete here. And the waves are coming at such an angle where it's almost hitting directly onto these and as people on the shore come, because I thought this is an amazing time to see all this white water spray up everywhere. So here are people with their cameras ready to capture the moment of these breakers spraying all over the place. And here comes this boat, a sailboat comes along with these big waves. And we're coming in and we're looking, all right, this is going to be like threading the needle right now. And we're like, oh, that's fine, that's fine, we'll be okay. And we, we get a little bit of the head sail out. And we start to come in, and we're, we're all, all, looks all good, lined up. And as we're starting to go in, I just, I'm at the back of the boat, and I decide to turn around. And as I turn, I just look around, and I don't see the water here, and I don't see it here, but the water's somewhere up here as this wave behind us is about to pick us up. And as we go, the wave picks us up, and I'm just thinking, as I see this wave above the back of the boat, I'm just like, just look forward. Just look forward and hold on. The wave picks the back of the boat up. And as it picks the back of the boat up, it starts giving some extra speed for the boat. But the wave is also trying to force the boat back up into the wave. And now the nose of the boat, the bow of the boat, is pointing directly at the breakwater. And Rick's arms going like this, full pelt to try and get this boat to turn, but the, the rudder is not biting at this point. And the, the helm is hard over, and the bow of the boat is pointed at the breakers with all the people with their cameras ready to take pictures of something they were not expecting that morning, perhaps a boat. <laughs> and as, as the bow comes in, this gust of wind comes and hits... The, the jib at the front of the boat, that sail at the front, and gives it enough force upon that front that the nose straightens up, and it feels like we've just shot through the gap into the safe harbor. And there we are, cheering, thinking our life is safe. This is the most exhilarating. And they were moments of cheering. The people on the shore, we're just cheering at them. They probably think we're crazy. But it was so exhilarating to make it through. the difference between those two stories is when you're on the boat you can tell the story very differently to when you're not when you're in the boat it's very different to being on the beach one thing that Rick would say sometimes when he's he's about to tell these stories of Celtic myths he goes were you on the boat at the time and I always go no no Rick I wasn't Were you on the boat at the time? It matters that you're in the boat. We are not beach dwellers. And the truth about this is that some people look the Christian part, say the Christian words, go to the Christian things, and yet are not disciples of Jesus. Not every disciple is a real believer, but every believer is is certainly a disciple. In John 6, 
63. Jesus says this, and he, he knows that we're not all, that all that call, not all that call out and say that they're his disciples are his disciples. Jesus said, uh, in John 6, 60, it says this. When many of his disciples, disciples heard it, they said, when they heard Jesus, Jesus gave a teaching about him being the bread of life. When they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his, that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless, he is, unless it is granted by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Not all who follow Jesus are disciples. Some are just there for a nice time on the beach. And when it's sunny and when it's comfortable, they'll stay. But when the storms come, the beach is no safe place and they disappear. And this is a moment here with Jesus as well. Jesus told them something difficult for them to grasp and they're willing in the difficulty to walk away. F.F. Bruce says this about John 6.6. He says, What they wanted, what the people wanted, he would not give. What he offered, they would not receive. Where Jesus is, what he is offering, what he is calling us to is to be his disciples, and that means getting off the beach and into the boat. And some people will be happy to be on the beach, but they don't want what Jesus is offering. Vance Havner said this, Our Lord made discipleship hard and lost many pros uh, prospective followers because he called them to a pilgrimage, not to a parade, to a fight, not to a frolic. We are not beach dwellers. We are not here for the sunny days, for the nice warm sand between the toes, from those amazing sunset moments. Or oh, they may come, but that is not why we are following Jesus. We are not beach dwellers. We must get in the boat with Jesus. Matthew 14, 22 to 33. We are obedient. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. 
When evening came, he was alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, began, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. We are obedience. In this story, when Jesus has just fed the 5,000 and he's dismissing the crowd, he, uh, he tells his disciples, he's, in fact it says he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And when Jesus tells us to do something, that is our cue to do it. It is not a moment to say, I'm not sure whether this is the best plan of attack, Jesus. Perhaps it would be best if we went with you to the mountain, because that might be a little bit better. We might get a little bit more of that uh, revelation of who you are and of, of what it is that you're, you're trying to do. Maybe we need more prayer at this moment with you, Jesus. This is not what Jesus asked him to do. He made him get into the boat. And once again, as, we, as I said last week, he didn't ask him to check the weather to see it was okay. He didn't ask them their opinion of what they thought would be best, them being main, most of them being fishermen. Or He said, get in the, he didn't even say, he made them get in the boat. And sometimes you can be in the boat and it can feel like the very wrong place for you to be because it feels like everything is against you. As it says here, the wind was against them. Sometimes being in the boat with Jesus feels like it's all against you. But when he says get in the boat, we obey. We are called to obedience. Not questioning, but obedience. To follow where he tells us to go. And even when the wind and the rain comes against us, we still know that we're in the boat he told us to get into. You see, because obedience always, when we are obedient to Jesus Christ, obedience always leads to revelation. Obedience to Jesus Christ always leads to the revealing of who he is. And going to the mountaintop to pray, for, or pray with Jesus would not have the same effect as them getting in the boat. Because what happened at the end of this story... Those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Obedience leads to revelation. Obedience leads to knowing who God is. 
We are obedient. That's what it is to be a disciple. And we need to make sure that we keep in our mind point one, because obedience is not what saves us. Obedience is not what determines that we are God's. But obedience proves, obedience proves that we are disciples. And that's why it's so important that we remember where we started. Otherwise, we'll get into works. And that is not what we are about. We are obedient. Obedience proves that we are saved. Bonhoeffer says that without discipleship, he says, cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Cheap grace, that grace that has no power to change lives, that has no power to do anything other than perhaps at some point and sometimes make you feel emotionally okay. That's cheap grace. Bonhoeffer says, cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. We are obedient even when it feels like the whole world is against us. When the wind and the wave is against us, we still stay where we're told to. We are obedient to what Jesus calls us to be. When I came to the UK, it was not a straightforward journey here. Um, we're living in Australia, and as far as I could tell, life was good. Uh, had a good job, had a good place. We were, in, I was enjoying life. It was good. And then something changed that I couldn't determine what it was, but I, all of a sudden, everything that satisfied me before had shifted. as as if the boat had gone out and I had not been on it. And I was like, God, what are you saying? Because nothing in the natural has changed, and yet I feel uncomfortable. What satisfied before no longer does. What's going on? It's, it's dangerous to ask God these things because he, he will answer. And he said, it is time for you to move to go to the UK. I didn't believe the first time he said it because I'm like, That's, that means uprooting everything we have. My, my wife was five months pregnant at the time. We had two young kids as well. Job was going well. It was all in a place. The church that we were in was amazing. Everything was fine. Everything was going well. And yet I felt God say it's time to go to the UK. And I didn't want to. So I said, God, you need to, uh, you need to be more clear on this. Because just a thought's not enough. You need to be more clear. And so I, I prayed more about it. And the very next day, as I was, as, at that, that night that I'd prayed, the very next day, my mum rang me at work. And she's never called me when I was at work. Never. She would call me after or on the weekends, but never when I was at work. I, go, I was, hi, mum, how you doing? She goes, good, good, good. Um, I just, uh, I just felt I needed to tell you that your father and I just want you to know that uh, if you needed to go to the UK, you're, you're free to. We, we wouldn't hold you back. And, uh, and I'm on the phone at work, and I'm like, 
Okay? okay, trying to keep calm because I'm, right now my heart's going thinking who's told my mum but I've, I've not spoken to anyone. This has just been a thought in my head at this moment and it's been nothing more. And I go, okay, God, that was pretty clear um, but I need, a, <laughs> I need a little bit more. I need to be sure because I'm going to uproot my whole family and take them to another country. And then a, a few days later, Hannah's mum rings up and she says... I don't know why, I just feel like I need to tell you that uh, the house on the island um, is, is going to be vacant and free to rent in a few months' time. I don't know why, I just thought I'd let you know. And still, I've not told anyone. I've not even told Hannah what's going on in my thought process. Nothing at all. And so I'm like, okay, God, I think I'm getting the hint now. The reason I'm dissatisfied is the boat's gone out and it's time for me to choose to get off where I am and get into the boat he's calling me into. And then through further prayer, and, and, I, and I had a, some great, uh, my, my, my brother, who was a great support in praying through that, and just seeking the wisdom of God. And through that moment, we decided to come to UK. And in that moment, I thought, I'm going, I'm, I'm doing a massive big thing. This is a massive big uh, obedience to God. This is going to be amazing when we get there. Like, I'm just going to be so overwhelmed by the, the grace and the glory of God that everything's just going to go bam, bam, bam. It's just going to be straightforward. And we get to the UK, and it's the worst time of my life. The very lowest point of my existence is when I reach the shores of the UK. And it feels like God's taking me out of this freedom that I had in Australia, and he's thrust me into this little island, a little closet, and says, that's your lot now, enjoy and it felt at that moment when I was there that there was very much everything was against me. And I had no sense of purpose in life. And then God meets me. And it so happened that I was on a boat at the time. And I was doing nothing more than helping Rick clean the boat. And I had, we had this diluted acid that we were using to scrub the deck and I, and I didn't wear gloves for whatever reason. And you get flecks of this stuff onto your skin that, that kind of burns a little bit. But the sun was shining and here I am scrubbing this deck. And it was if in that moment the glory of God appeared. As I'm on my knees scrubbing a deck with acid. And all of a sudden God appears to me and everything becomes right. As if this very moment appears to me and the, the waves stop and there I am. I just stop doing that and I just worship God knowing that I'm in the exact place he's called me to be. And from that moment on, I can see the purpose he has for me. We are obedient. That's what it is to be a disciple. So let me finish with this. The Great Commission, Matthew 28. Then Jesus said to them, now these are the ladies who found him in uh, as he just came out of the tomb. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is what we are called to do now. We are to be obedient. As the disciples were obedient to get into the boat, as the disciples were obedient to go to Galilee to meet Jesus, this is what we're called to be. We're called to be people who are discipled by Jesus, encouraging other people to be discipled by Jesus, to get into the boat, to be baptized, to live a life that is worthy of the suffering and the and the and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are to be a disciple-making community. And we have been given a commission by God to do it. The question is, will we obey? Discipleship. At all points, we must, whenever we're struggling or whenever we are wandering away from God, we must always go back to the start. Who makes us righteous? Who has justified us? It is Jesus. And I say there are times where we will be wandering away from the, the, the path that we know we should walk. Whether it's because of the stuff that happens in the world or whether it's because we're busy or whether it be because we just don't feel like we need God in this moment in our life. God, I've got a lot of stuff sorted out. I feel fine in myself. I feel like I can live life and you're a nice addition. In those moments, we need to go back to the start and remember that it is Jesus Christ's righteousness that allows us to come into the presence of God. Discipleship, the start matters. Remember who you're following. When we're in these times of either close to God or far from God, these moments are when we are to remember who we're following and whose strength we have. Who is the one that is enabling us to be that love and joy and peace to others because we have first received love, joy and peace from him? We need to remember who we're following. And we're not beach dwellers. We don't live on the beach. We are the ones who are in the boat with him. And that requires us to examine ourselves. That requires us to take a good look at ourselves and what we do and what we spend our time on and what we devote ourselves to. It requires a self-examination. And even more scary than that, it requires close friends and close people you trust to examine you as well and to be able to speak into you and into your life where perhaps you need to sharpen up. And it requires you to be vulnerable to others. It requires you to examine yourself and if you're watching from the beach, it's time beach. It's time to get off the beach and into the boat and pick up an oar and start rowing. 
And if you're already in the boat rowing, then sometimes it's okay to let someone come alongside you and help. There's enough oars, and do you know what? Two people can do the one oar, and it's okay. The point is you're in the boat, and you're prepared to do what's needed because God has called us to go to the other side of the lake. We're not beach dwellers. We are obedient, and obedience requires that we know what God has said. And do you know where we know what God has said? The Bible. We love the Bible. That's what disciples love. Because that's where we know what Jesus is calling us to do. Sometimes people say, I want God to tell me what to do. He's told you in the Bible. We need to be reading this constantly. This is our source. This is our plumb line. This is where we want to get into. We love the words of Jesus because it leads us to knowing him. It allows us to know when we're hearing from him. It breeds creativity and worship in us. It is the life that brings life. We love the word of God. Discipleship is not difficult. But it's all-consuming. Remember where you start from. Remember who you're following. Remember you're not just on a beach, you're in the boat. Pick up an oar. Obey Jesus. Get stuck into his word. Read it constantly. And you will I guarantee you will see God bringing you along and you will see people being discipled along with you. This, I believe, is a foundation for discipleship. And we're going to go through this in depth as we go forward because when we know what, who we are in Christ, when we know that we are to be disciples and to be discipled, we will see the power of God in community that we've never seen before. Let me just pray, and then we'll end there. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have called us to get in the boat. We thank you that it is your voice that is beckoning us not to stay away, not to be fearful, or not to be complacent, but to get in the boat with you because that's where revelation comes. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, right now that we would be people who love to hear your voice, who love to read your word, who love to see you at work, and who love to be co-workers with you. And so I pray that as we go forward in these days ahead, that we would grasp what it means to be disciples of Jesus Christ as we encourage one another in discipling one another and also calling others into the more of what God has. Lord Jesus, even now, teach me, teach us what it is to be your disciple. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.